pre-chat time. Yes, it's me again. Um, thanks for listening, which is awesome. Today's guest, um, I actually asked him live on the radio as he's interviewing me, would you do my podcast? And I felt like, well, he probably can't say no. He didn't say no, so that's why he's doing it. Jamie East, um, loads about him in this podcast as well. He's a really, really funny guy and well-connected, apparently. Uh, we recorded this in September, so as I like to say, enjoy. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Best Thing with Daniel Johnson. I did it the other way around. Hello, you know what's going on. It's Best Thing where we talk about the best thing in people's lives from food to travel to TV and film to music to something random and a new category, something about you. Yeah, not easy to answer. Today's guest is the awesome Jamie East. Yeah, he's slightly sarcastic, but we love him for it. He interviewed me back in the day when I came off X Factor, and he's gone on to be on Big Brother's Bit on the Side, Throne Cast to Most Wanted Live, and Celebrity Haunted Hotel Live. He's now hosting a show for Talk Radio, and I can't wait to get into Here's the Best Thing. Obviously, we have the wonderful Adam Harris and his fat chicken, Bethia Beach choosing her track of the pod, and Film Back, all put together by Professor Ollie. Next up, Adam Harris's question and answer at the end, followed by an interview with Jamie East. Yo, 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 Adam, fat chicken, doing the fat checking for you. Um, does the colour red really make bulls angry? I'm going to find out for you and then I'll see you at the end of the podcast after Bethia's beats and after Daniel Johnson's wonderful interview. no windows because i live in an underground house okay so all i've got is i've got some kind of like skylights that come down so otherwise i would just be locked in this room like 18 hours a day for six months you would just fucking end up killing someone wouldn't you to be honest you do now sound like a serial killer and i've just finished watching des i'm actually now watching the fall because everyone keeps on telling me about the fall and that's all about serial killing you're talking about serial killing yeah I, i literally we just finished um season one so a little bit behind and stuff like that because I didn't realise it started in 2013. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, season one's the best season. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, don't say that because now I just finished it and I'm like, oh, can't wait for season two. And now even no, there's three. Me. There are three, aren't there? Three, yeah, yeah, yeah. three. Season two's good as well. Yeah, season three. Oh, thanks for that now. Season, season three <laughs> tails off a bit, but you don't need to. It's not like, I don't think there's, well, I won't spoil it for you. <laughs> no, I thought you were just going to get, and scared. they all die. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what's really funny? Uh, so I am waiting. I don't know if this is a delivery driver or my window cleaner. Yeah, my life has changed, by the way. I've got a window cleaner now. Just so you know. Because in, in lockdown, my window cleaner didn't come for 13 weeks. So I thought I could do it myself. I'm going to fucking tell you, I couldn't do it myself. Yeah, mate. It's, it's, there, there are things in life that are just not worth the, um, not worth the stress. And, and you try and save money on things like window cleaners. And you realize it's just it's a false economy. It's like bin bags. Don't buy cheap bin bags. It's a false Never. economy. It's a waste of time. Someone told me about these simple human bin bags, which are the best. And so I bought a simple human bag um, bin from Amazon. Which are like 200 bin quid. Bags, no, 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 no. What? This was like 65 pounds, right? So not that bad. Yeah. But the bin bags sit in the back of the bin. So when you pull yeah, the yeah. bin out. It's it, there for the, Yeah, it's great. What the? Anyway, yes, we're getting into it. Um, How middle As all of my guests. <laughs> 
I've literally just, you know, when you've got the um, the box outside and it's got your meter in, it's um, the pins falling out. So I have to sellotape it every sort of three weeks. Mate, get some, <laughs> that was my job today. Get Sugru, get some Sugru and kind of like do like a little clasp. Have you use so, Sugru? Have you ever used that? I mean, Jamie, you sound like a real man. Mate, it's, it's, gonna... mold, it's moldable silicon, right? So you get it in a pack and it's really useful. And it's like plasticine. But once you've molded it, it sets into rock hard plastic. So if you've got anything like a clasp or, or a hook that's broken, you can basically create one out of plasticine and it will and, and stick it onto your thing and it will solve all your problems. It's, it's incredible. Great stuff. Best thing is now sponsored by Sugu. Thanks very much for that. Sorry, I'm interrupting um, the podcast. I love it. No, it's good. This is how we start. We called. I called it a soft opening um, to Darren Litton, who wrote um, for Catherine Tate and Benidorm. And he yeah, went, don't yeah. say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one likes us. Well, actually, quite a lot of people like a soft opening. Everyone wants a bit of a soft opening, yeah. don't they? They yeah. don't want a hard opening. It's, dry, that's too much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just lubing you up. What are you drinking right now? You've, uh, got, a, you've got a mug of tea this or coffee? Is a, it's a... I, I have a very strict regime with my drinking habits. I don't know because I don't drink anymore. So I'm sober now. I've been sober three years. Oh, so I have to kind of like regiment my, um, my kind of my, my hot drink habit. So first thing I get up at 5am cup of tea straight away. Just regular. Wait a minute. 5am. What are you? Mark Wahlberg? Well, no, no, not quite. No, I do. I do my own. I do my own daily podcast that goes out at 7am every day. So I get up at five. What? So How I, do I not know I this? I do a daily news podcast called The Smart. What is it called? Called The Smart Seven. And it's really good. I'm already on it. So it's right, seven cool. minutes long, seven biggest stories of the day at 7 a.m. And it's, it's doing really well. So I'm not surprised. That sounds amazing. That kind of, that requires like an early start. So I get up then. So I have a cup of normal, regular Yorkshire tea, no mucking good. about, best of British, straight in the mug, because that wakes you up. Have that at five, and then at half six, my first coffee of the day. And my greatest purchase is an integrated coffee machine in my kitchen. So it's one of those posh ones where you walk up, mug under, push the button, come back, and it's a perfectly brewed cup of coffee. You've, you've changed, I'm going to say. Changed. In the last 11 years, when yeah. I first met you, you've changed. And then throughout the day, I, tr- I just try to stay to green tea. So this is just like a green tea with an occasional chamomile just to mix things up and get a bit spicy. And then... I'm flagging a bit by four, so then it's the second coffee. Subscribed. Oh, thank there you, you very much. Cheers, Done. buddy. Of course. Why would I not do that? So, and yeah. we'll put it in the links below as well, of course. It is just a it's just a regular, regular, regular green tea. I thought we were just gonna say a hot ribena. I've got some coconut water, which some people love and some people absolutely hate. I like it. Um, I've not had it for ages actually. I went through like a, it went through it went through a peak kind of trend, didn't it? Coconut water. It's because it's six quid a yeah, yeah. Thing, you know and also I, mean? I think I realized that it was actually quite fattening which put me off oh yeah it's really fattening because yeah, initially everyone was like work. wow look at this health drink and basically what you're drinking is just watered down oil <laughs> with loads and loads of sugar yeah, as well not nice. gonna help yeah this is a the longest soft opening I think I've ever had and, and <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible at editing stuff so they just this just all goes in Fine. um how we start off the podcast is we just talk about some of the best things that are in your life. So we talk about like really nice, uplifting, happy things, because if you look at the media or you turn on to Good Morning Britain, you're just going to feel absolutely crap about yourself. Yeah. Uh, so I thought if you could just listen to this and have, you know, random people like, I don't know, Debbie McGee telling you about how much she likes pasta. Why wouldn't you listen to that? She, I always had her pegged as a pasta girl. <laughs> you look at her, you know that she she can destroy a cannelloni. <laughs> <laughs> 
like no other. She's never had pasta in her life. Come on, <laughs> look at the shape she's in. Look at the shape. Um, so first up, we're going to be talking about, and it's quite nice because you, you started with uh, with drinks. So we're going to be talking about food. Jamie, when it comes to food, what's what is your go-to? What, what are you eating right now? What's in your cupboards? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, I don't know about everybody else, but I went through l- lockdown and did and did panic buy quite a lot of stuff. Well, I say me. My wife just went absolutely balmy. And I think at one point we had 47 toilet rolls. In the Good house, boy. Um, which is always helpful. And just the dry goods were becoming slightly overwhelming. So now the lockdown's finished, we're staring at kind of like a million cans of butter beans. I mean, who needs butter beans? I don't know when the apocalypse comes, if I'd be saved because I've got a dozen cans of butter beans. But No, I'm gonna come, everyone's going to come and rob you now of your butter beans. <laughs> You're not safe anymore. But I don't know what foods are making me happy at the moment. I mean, it's the best time of year, I think. I mean, food's great any time of year because... You know, I, I enjoy eating seasonally, and but at this time of year, as it's just starting to get a bit of a chill in the air, I just start thinking about kind of crumbles and kind of things that you can put in the pot and leave for a day and come, you know, the slow cooker stuff. It's starting to get slightly autumnal. We're starting to get into jacket potato season. You know, I've got a nice big garden with a huge fire pit. I'm a big fan of cooking outdoors and cooking on, on fire. I've got something called an asado cross, which is going to upset a lot of vegetarians and vegans listening. But I'm, I'm, I don't even know what that is. So I mean, let's describe what it is so we can offend them. So an asado <laughs> cross is basically, there's no there's no kind way of saying it. It's basically a crucifix for, for, for animals. Okay. So like a, you put it sort of all the way through. Yeah. I'm doing this hand gestures, so no one can see, but yeah, you put the spikes through it. And yeah. then lean, it sounds very Game yeah, of Thrones. It is very Game of Thrones. It's very Ramsay Bolton. And lean it over, uh, lean it over open coals for for like twelve hours. And I've done whole lambs on there. I've done goat. I've done it's, and that that is an incredible, incredible way of cooking. So in terms of what food makes me happy, I think it would have to be cooking on fire outside. Anything. And it could be vegetables, uh, anything. Love it. I think it's really important. And I think when you cook outside, that for some reason, it sort of brings other people around. So the family members yeah. want to come and join you or, you know, people from outside your bubble, uh, you know, uh, that you're allowed to um, to come and join you and, and have that kind of fest in your in your garden. What's been really nice, actually, because I've got some lovely neighbors. And when they have a barbecue or anything like that, we've got a huge car park and they'll just go, hey, there's there's a little table yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. Just help yourself yeah. and I, I i love that what did you eat when you were younger what was on the table when you were growing up oh my god uh well i grew up in the i guess i remember seeing chicken nuggets for the first time and being absolutely blown away and that's going to sound nuts to anyone under the age of <laughs> anyone under the age of like 40 to imagine a time without breaded chicken in the freezer. But it was my friend Jonathan Bennett's house in Alistair in Derby. And his parents, I think, were quite well off. And went around there and they got chicken nuggets out. And they'd only just been in McDonald's for like, I don't know, six months or something. I can remember the first pizza restaurant. You know what I mean? There, there was a time where the only food you ate as a kid was either food that was cooked by your mum or finders crispy pancakes they were nice they were they were fast food 
classics as well, by the way. Yeah, Mum's absolutely. cooking and Finster's pancakes. Yeah, exactly. So, I could, you know, there was a queue a mile long when the first pizza restaurant opened in Derby, where I grew up. So I think growing up, it was always, I don't know, kind of, and I don't want to, I'm not, I don't want to offend my mother here, but it was always slightly, slightly naive versions of spaghetti, of Italian food. You know what I mean? That was kind of like the go-to where mums in the eighties thought they were being exotic if they were making like a macaroni cheese that was classed as Italian. And I'm not sure I've never seen macaroni cheese in an Italian restaurant before. It I, doesn't exist. No, it doesn't exist. It's an American thing or it's just, yes. it's just, but even spaghetti bolognese, you know, in Italy, a, a, a classic ragu is, you know, pork and meat, pork and beef mince combined with, with carrot and celery and slow cooked in, in like a passata with it, with only a tiny bit of oregano, Whereas I think my mum's version of, of spaghetti bolognese was to take a whole block of frozen mints and put that straight into a frying pan and just pummel it with a wooden spoon until it had vaguely thawed and then pour an extraordinary amount of chopped tomatoes on top of it. Get it just so that it was just, just below lava temperature and put that over some pasta that had been simmering, I'm going to say, for about 45 minutes. That was like a British mum's version of Italian food in the 80s. And that's kind of what I grew up on. Bless mums. I tell you what, it's quite nice. I've had my mum on the podcast, and uh, lucky enough, she's actually quite good at cooking, but sort of really basic kind of things and, and stuff. But it, 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 you know, there is a generation that has sort of brought up, and it wasn't just at home, it was at school as well. The school dinners were just as terrible. I mean actually to be honest the puddings were the best for me i have to say like yeah. when it comes to school dinners. Oh, but the thing um, is the, the school dinner puddings you just didn't get anywhere else and you never see again once you leave school if you knew that you'd no. be more appreciative of them pink custard where's it gone just tray bakes with you know like the sponge with the jam and the coconut on top i mean my god just you know chocolate pudding with chocolate sauce and chocolate custard you know appreciate it kids you don't know what you've We're got till make... it's gone. That's genuinely what the song was about. It wasn't Literally, a... just about cakes. Yeah. <laughs> Not about love at all, cakes. but maybe love of cakes. Um, you kind of answered it very well, and you've... that was the quickest answering ever when it comes to the best thing for food. Uh, when it comes to food, Jamie, I would say cooking on fire is the best thing for you, yeah? Absolutely. Um, next up, we're going to be talking travel. Jamie, going on holiday, what's, uh, you know, travel, where have you been? I mean, no one's been anywhere this year. Do you get, do you have a cheeky little holiday? Some of my friends have had cheeky ones before lockdown and now after lockdown, they sort of got home just before no. they had to self-isolate for 400 days or whatever it is now. I'm, I mean, as you, as you and any freelancer slash self-employed slash hustler slash, you know, anyone that's not lucky enough to be in full-time employment, will know that um, holidays you end up paying twice for, you know, you have to pay for the holiday and then you have to pay for the in paying kind for the time off that you have from work. So I'm, I'm really, really bad at taking holidays. Um, so this year we didn't get to go away before we were, we, I've been, I, I was so annoyed because I was so on top of it. I got a load of flights in the easy jet kind of like January sale. For the middle of July, you know, four flights to Mallorca for me, my wife, two of the youngest kids, 
to go away for a fortnight in the middle of July. So we were very much looking forward to that. And obviously that just just went you know, completely down the pan. Um, so I um, didn't go away before. Managed to get away down to Cornwall to my where my dad lives with 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 his wife with my stepmom for a nice two weeks in August. So I kind of feel as though we have had a holiday. It's been a British holiday, which is uh, let's be honest, is not a holiday. It's it's just it's just it's just it's working from your mobile somewhere slightly too far away from home to sleep in your own bed every night. That to me is a british holiday i do enjoy you know cornwall's beautiful and it's lovely to see family and it's lovely to get out of the house but bollocks is it a holiday it's like christmas i feel like when you do a staycation it feels like christmas because you're always going with family you're always seeing you know it's not you're not just going with your family you you, you just have to see other people and you have to do the things they do and they for some reason like you 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 wake them up at five in the morning to do your podcast and stuff yeah <laughs> the routine is still there it is really difficult because i think everyone anyone who works in like the corporate world and stuff like that they have these holidays booked in and they just haven't had it and though we've had time at home and blah blah, blah a lot of people have not had that escapism. So now they do feel like us freelancers, <laughs> that we, yeah. the freedom that we sort of don't have and we have to take with us on holiday. Um, did you, did you do staycations when you were younger? Or did you do those British holidays or were you fortunate um, enough to, to go away abroad to Spain? I mean, yeah, I think, I think as I said, growing up in the area that I did, you know, Spain was as good as it got, unless you were kind of like super rich, you know, we were, we, we were comfortable and, and well off and, my dad traveled a lot. My dad traveled so much through his work that he was always going to the Olympics in Russia or to, the, to you wow. know, like all over the world. So I, I think we kind of bore the brunt of that because he clearly couldn't be asked to kind of go to these exotic <laughs> places with, with, with us. So we grew up in, as I said, I grew up in Derby. And, and I think every, every town or every kind of like small city has one destination on the Costa del Sol that everybody in the city goes to. Do you know what I mean? So, yep. and in Derby, it's a place called Calabona or Calamanor, which is just in, in Mallorca. So basically what would happen is everyone in Derby for two weeks would go to Calabona and Calamanor and see each other in, Dar in, in Spain, which <laughs> is one of the most ludicrous and small-minded kind of things you've, you've ever done in your life. It's like, wow. We really don't like outsiders. We really don't want to further our horizons or or widen our, our circle. We want to make our world as small as possible. But it was good fun because it was, you know, you were just charging around. So I've got great memories of it. I've just, just kind of your mates yeah, down the road. Like, you know, a kind of cheap naff kind of holiday where kids, you know, you're bombing around at 11 o'clock at night eating, eating ice creams, snogging and kind of like looking in arcades, you know, and, and trying to shoplift. You know, that's the memories I've got of those kind of holidays. Why was it easier to pull on holiday? Why why was that a situation? I never I never understood why it was so much easier to, to snog it, someone on holiday. I don't know. It's, I think it's just, it's still, I guess it's, I mean, I'm attached. To, I, I don't know what it's like now, but I presume it's, it, it's the same when you're older. It's the fact that you haven't got the shackles of work or school or college. You've not got any homework. You've not got, you've not really got any responsibilities. You might be away from your family. You might be away from, I don't know, someone who you're supposed to be snogging, you know, or whatever. And people just lose their inhibitions. And let's be frank, it's all about the drink, isn't it? As well, I think. And, and, yeah, true. and, and every, the sun. Sun and makes the, you randy. Yeah, it is. It's the it's the it's the sun. It's the horn in the sun. It's the it's the it's the cheap drink. It's the 
skin on display. Everyone kind of aims to look good on holiday. Everyone does the diet. Men do 30 press-ups for a week before they go, thinking it's going to change things. Don't give away my secrets, Jamie. That's <laughs> terrible. That's what I do. I do 45 every three days. That's all I can say. Just to get the pump. Just to get the of pump. Of course, just to pump. You know, I've seen pictures of The Rock, and I'm like, I could achieve that. Yeah. Um, what would you say? Um, actually, before I ask you this question, is there anywhere in the world that you've not gone that is on your checklist that you would like to oh, go God. to? I mean, look, I'm so badly traveled. I mean, I... My eldest son's 27. My eldest son was born. My, my wife had my son, my eldest son when she was 19. So, and I've got four kids. So all we've just lived through having kids. So whilst we've had lots of holidays, they've all been like, you know, with Costa del Sol or with kids yeah. or so, you know, and as any parent of a, of a young child will know, you know, the thought of getting on a plane for for any great period of time with it with a with a child is just is just hell on earth i'm full of and i and i actually i don't know if i'm jealous of when i see people doing it i just think because i actually think it's quite selfish for everybody else on the plane it's just you're putting three people through hell unless you're george and amal clooney you know they they turn up on a flight i think from something like was it london to la or la to london or, or wherever they were going on some transatlantic flight and they walked into the first class cabin with their twins followed by someone who handed everybody brand new bosey ear cancelling headphones and like a bottle of champagne a bottle of vintage champagne and a box of chocolate saying really sorry hope this makes the next 12 hours more peaceful to you and you just kind of think yeah that's you can do that with style when you're george Clooney. if you're in cattle class and you've got like a three-month baby on a nine-hour flight that's screaming then you've made some bad decisions there not in the baby but just in the flight <laughs> so we've always gone quite short distances um until about three or four years ago was when we just decided now's the time to have a bit of an experience and we took all four kids to thailand for christmas wow which was just amazing incredible it was, yeah yeah imagine. it was everything it was just it was just incredible so in terms of on my bucket list, basically everywhere that isn't Thailand or <laughs> Europe. Or Cornwall with the or family. Cornwall, yeah. Uh, what would you say is the best thing about travel for you, um, Jamie? What would you say is the best thing about traveling? I like it. I, I enjoy traveling. I, I'm not one that, that, that kind of dreads flights. I'm not scared of flying. I enjoy everything about going to an airport i enjoy the whole airport experience i enjoy duty do you have lounge access by the way no i don't i I did i went through a period of having it um for a time when i was traveling a lot um and i used to know a really good guy that could blag upgrades so which was always nice everyone knows one of those people i think and they rarely deliver but occasionally they come up trump so they my wife me and my wife managed to sneak off to new york a couple of times and there was one time where we got where we managed to blag business and get into the lounge and do all that and it's just it's i don't think it's healthy because unless you can afford to do it every single time it kind oh, yeah. of it kind of spoils you go back to regular and you just you think you can't go back to regular it's you horrible think, you still have to pay for it now you think, these aren't my people <laughs> you change you, very quickly don't you you do you change you do. very quickly you, you, you're getting on and you see people turning left and you go that's where i belong <laughs> you know and you it, it spoils it uh, okay, Jamie, I'm going to say the best thing when it comes to travel for you is just traveling and enjoying yourself yeah, and yeah, just absolutely. sort of getting away, which is quite nice. And uh, next up, we're going to be talking TV and film.
Hey guys, Halloween. It just happened, or depending on when you're gonna listen to this, it happened a really long time ago. Or depending on when you're really listening to this, it, it's coming up. And so that's the perfect time for me to recommend a freaky movie called I See You, which can currently be seen on Netflix, which is where I watched it accidentally. But boy, am I glad I did. Uh, it's directed by a guy called Adam Randall. Do you know who that is? Because uh, I don't. Uh, but guess what? He made a great movie. Here's a clip. Justin Witter, 10 years old, went missing on a bike ride last night near Jupiter Park. Park ranger found the bike. Oh boy. I'll let you manage the situation as you see fit. You lead on this. Got it. All right, that was a clip from I See You, uh, which really surprised me. I've never seen a movie so convincingly pivot halfway through than this does suddenly the entire style format of the film changes the cast kind of changes you're seeing events from a completely different perspective and guess what it is so well constructed so well thought out that it's genuinely shocking yet makes complete sense at the same time i'd recommend this to anyone who likes supernatural films uh thrillers abduction thrillers like gone girl do you know what i mean that kind of thing this is one to see i i've not heard any talk about this any buzz about this and i don't know why it stars helen hunt from movies i'm sure that I, ha I haven't actually seen her in anything else but i know she's established and a guy called judah lewis who's an up-and-coming actor at the moment he was also in the babysitter which is actually all right um recommend that one too but yeah guys get this get the streaming right now let's let's hear those netflix noises going the the baboom the da dooms you know what what noise exactly does the netflix loading screen make i want to know send that in guys okay thank you goodbye <laughs> So, Jamie, TV and film, what have you been watching lately? Um, oh, excuse me. So I was the film critic for the Sun newspaper for four years, and that, uh, that came to an end about a month ago. So for the, this month, genuinely, is the first time in four years that I haven't had to watch every film uh, that is released in Britain. <laughs> Every there must be week. some terrible films that you're watching well, as, as well. This is it. It was a great job. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a, it was a privilege to do it but everyone goes are oh, you so lucky and it's like no 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 not every film is interstellar not every film is is tenet or or these amazing kind of like marvel blockbusters or even you know if bill street could talk or 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 moonlight or something like that you know yeah. that's five percent of, of all films that get released 95 percent even actually and five percent of them are absolutely dreadful like appallingly <laughs> dreadful but they're also enjoyable to watch because they are so bad the yeah. sad thing is, is that, you know, 90% of all films released are just boring and mediocre. Yes. And they're the worst films to watch. So I don't think I've actually watched, I've, I've, I've kind of taken a break from watching films entirely this month, which has been actually Lovely. wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really nice. But also it's going to take a while for films to, because you get sneak access yeah. to them, to the screenings. It's going to take a while for me to be able to catch up with, well, there's nothing out. No, I'm still well, waiting for no James Bond. At all. I saw, in fact, the last film I saw was Tenet. Um, yeah. What did you think of that? I thought it was uh, hugely overcomplicated and yeah. and and quite boring. I couldn't hear. I couldn't yeah. hear any of the dialogue. The music was so loud in the theatre I was in. Well, I, couldn't that's ever... I think every time he every time the characters went to try and explain what Tenet was, a train went past or something, or a helicopter landed, and I thought. Yeah, he's just done that because he doesn't know what Tenet is. <laughs> it's like quite a sneaky uh, little thing. And, and in the end, I just 
didn't care. I just sat there and I was just like, I don't know if I care. And I'm really upset because I love Interstellar. I love uh, Inception. I love, you know, the you know, Memento, you know, I love all those films. Yeah. But, and also, you know, the Batmans and stuff where Christopher Nolan's done and Dunkirk. And this is the first one I was like, ah, crap. Maybe he was just locked in a cave through lockdown and he just had these amazing earphones that he could hear all the dialogue. And it was like, let's just turn the music a little louder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His films have always been a, been quite strange. So I, that was quite a disappointing one, really, to, to, to end on. But I don't think... There haven't been any new films out. There haven't been no. any kind of films on TV. So it's been... Sadly, I'm going to have to kind of like... Uh, You're poo-pooing that one, aren't you? Well, but yeah, <laughs> which is weird because film is normally the, the thing that I, I've, I've got most to talk about. Well, luckily enough, we also have uh, it's, it's TV as well. So, have you been watching any TV series? Or what's going? Obviously, Game of Thrones finished quite a long time ago. You had a lot to do with that. I make it sound like you're in the cast. Obviously, you were working with Sue doing the show. Uh, that's the, that's the best thing you see is, is that everybody says that. So everyone says um, on the on the rare occasion that, that people recognise me. You know, it used to happen a fair Whatever. bit. It used to happen a fair bit because of Big Brother, but it's been quite yeah, a long yeah. time since then. Um, but now, people stop me and they go where do I know you from? Because my hair's changed a bit and I'm a bit greyer and, and I know what's coming. And, and they're usually with friends, yeah? So they're usually with a group of friends who have obviously got no clue who the hell I am. And, the, and it's usually a guy looks at me a while and he goes, oh my God, it's you, Ga- Game of Thrones guy. You're on Game of Thrones. And everybody, everybody turns around to look. And I don't correct him. I'm not going to correct him. I'm just going to leave Never. that. Alone. And I go, yes, mate. Cheers, mate. Valar Magoulis and all that, and just walk off. And everyone's just like, holy shit, was that Kit Harrington? Or who was that? Was that Hodor? You know, and it just <laughs> it just gives me a little f- false uh, spring in my step. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, one an amazing TV program itself, and to be, you know, in and around it and part of it and doing sort of like the spin-off show for it, um, which always makes you laugh because actually the character Hodor, he's like, uh, I met him in a nightclub in the Kremlin because he's from Ireland and he's a DJ. Oh, it's a proper hard house homosexual yeah. DJ with yeah. an eye and a, a face tattoo. He's like yes. as far removed from Hodor as you can get. Christian is an amazing dude. The I thought he was Rag and hands, Bone Man at one the time. Biggest hands I have ever seen on any human being. And that's why he is very much liked. Um, <laughs> well, um, yeah, that, that, I mean, that, been... that must be quite. That must be quite intimidating for a for a, for a, if you were going to jump in the sack with Hodor and let him get his hands on your tackle. Any tackle <laughs> is going to look tiny in Hodor's hands. I've just got the clip for the show, by the way. Just that little bit. <laughs> it's He's gonna have to go out with that. Michael Phelps or someone like that just to just to kind of even the balance out. Oh, there's so many things going through my mind. We'll stop there. Um, you know, because obviously being locked in and, you know, you, you said you've got kids and they must have been watching loads of stuff and there was like Tiger King on and stuff, yeah. which is kind of a while ago now. Um, was there any TV programs that sort of came out recently that you're just like, yes, that is my shenizzle? Yeah. I mean, we, never um, see that. You know. there's, there's a couple of, there's a Netflix series called Criminal, oh. which is amazing. So, and it's, and it's a little bit of a sneaker one, really. It's, it's, it's been under the radar. But honestly, no word of a lie, it's easily up there with Line of Duty as Ooh, one of the most okay. gripping kind of police dramas I've ever seen. Now, it's quite, on the face of it, it's quite formulaic because it's set 
purely in the interrogation room. So you don't see a crime being committed. You don't see the arrest happening. You meet these criminals on the, on the assumption that they are guilty. And, and it's about the interrogation. It's like, you know, they're, 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 an hour, they're hour-long episodes. They're e- each of them are standalone, okay? So each, different, each episode has a different criminal. And they're all guest stars. So you get people like um, David Tennant, is in there kit harrington's in one sharon horgan you know all the, the amazing sophie okinadu's in it and they all play very very different criminals and when i say criminals you know not everyone's in for murder or gbh or or, or these kind of like horrific crimes a lot of them are could be classed i'm going to say moral crimes or or for instance crimes that have some degree of ambiguity around them where there is questions to be asked as to why does this person not think that what they've done is a crime so and and it's about how the police team get the admission or the um the evidence that they need in order to in order to convict it's it's fascinating and not only are the criminals kind of like amazing guest stars, but the solicitors are too. I think Kevin Clifton is one who's like amazing character actor is in like things like Alan Partridge usually plays like comedy actresses, comedy actors. Um, but it's, it's fantastic. And it's on Netflix. And they, the first series, what they did was they, they did one in UK and then Spain, I think Spain, Germany and France did their own versions as well, but using the same set and the same formula. So it's, so you can go and watch all of those as well. And it's honestly, it's brilliant. It's really, really good. That's so weird. Someone literally either today or yesterday was speaking about exactly the same thing. And they said about David Tennant and then they said they flipped it and they went to other countries and they did. That's incredible. I mean, yeah. literally, I know what I'm going to be doing this evening. I don't it's, have much on. So it's I'm going really, to... really, it's really, really good. And of course, speaking of David Tennant, I've been watching Dez this week as well, which oh. is just like crazy. And we sat and watched that with with our 15 year old mm. whose mind was just blown by it you know he, luckily children nowadays live in a world where there aren't any serial killers you know no i, I interviewed um the guy who uh, the head of world productions the other day who made line of duty and something called the pembrokeshire murders that's coming out soon and and i i said that i said we don't i said funny that like, you don't see many serial killers nowadays do you and he said no they said it's because dna since dna and they social media that you literally cannot get away with yeah. being a serial killer for long um so explaining the concept of a serial killer to a 15 was quite a 15 year old was quite a weird experience and then he kind of said well so is this true a true story it's like yeah that's a true story it's like show me a photo of dennis nielsen so i showed him a photo of dennis nielsen who looked exactly the same as as David Tennant, blew his mind. And he's he's kind of like gone on now reading books about the Moors murders and, you know, all that. You know, there's nothing as, you know, he watches Homeland and, and all of those kind of series. I'm like, mate, there's nothing worse than real life. Wait till you read about uh, Peter Sutcliffe or, you know, that they're, they're, they're the real horrors. So yeah. it's, it's not, so I really enjoyed that. And I know blowing his mind, by the way. Yeah. And I know, and I know Jason Watkins a little bit, the actor that plays the, the biographer in Des, you know, Jason's been on my radio show and I've been to, been to, been to a couple of his plays. He's great. I love his career. He's done some great stuff. Insanely good. Insanely good. And I texted him just, just saying, 
will you stop terrifying my children? Because everything you're in, you play <laughs> someone really, really sinister. He's just got that face. Well, he, he wasn't being human back in the day, and he was like this yeah. horrible vampire and stuff like yeah. that. And you know, Russell Tovey and everyone who's done well out of that show. So, um, Jamie, when it comes to TV and film, what would you say is the best thing about TV and film? As, as different entities, or as, or as the same thing, or as... I mean, whatever. I mean, it could be something specific. It could be, you know, an actual show. It could be. It doesn't have to be a genre. It doesn't have to be. Oh, I see. Picking one one actual thing. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So film. <laughs> oh wow. So. I mean, film is, is it's tricky because I think with film more than TV, films very much depend on what mood you're in when you watch them. Um, and also what age you are, your emotional kind of stability at the time watching them. But I think, I think anyone's lying if they don't choose a film that affected them deeply when they're a child in, in one way or another, because it's just something that stays with you. Um, Bambi. Yeah, so it's it's going to be it's always going to be something like Bambi. For me, I think though, it's ET. Just as a a as a just as a, as a as a great film, but B the subtext of that film that you only really realise when you when you grow up is that it isn't about a boy meeting an alien. It's about a boy coping with his parents' divorce and about about finding um, companionship in the absence of his father. And seeing the way that Spielberg shot it all from, you know, whenever he shoots the kids, it's always from the kids' height. So you rarely see an adult from an adult's height. You see keys, you see belt buckles, you see all of these kind of things. And it's such an incredible way. And that's Spielberg's gift is being able to remember what it's like being a kid and being able to articulate that on film. And aside from that, also, you know, watching that in 1983 or whenever it was, BMXs were like this exotic kind of otherworldly thing that, that, that were just like, oh, my God, kids wearing hoodies to school. And Halloween, which just looked amazing. It's just like that did not look like Halloween in Derby. You know, that was everything about Spielberg's. Spielberg portrayed kids and still does, even in stuff like Super 8 and Ready Player One in such a cool way that every kid watching it just wants to be in that film. And, yeah, same and, Jurassic Park. And I mean, yeah, you can exactly. go all the way through. Every, the incredible. gadgets, the vehicles, yeah. the, the hoodies, the jeans, the bikes, the circumstances, everything about it just made you just think, shit, I just want to be Elliot. That's all I want to be is be Elliot. <laughs> so, and I think, so it started off as being a great film because it was just a fantastic film about a kid meeting an alien and it was just it looked amazing the the, the effects were amazing but it stuck with me um it's just stuck it stuck with me since just because of, of, of the subtext of the film and just because it's a beautiful story i can tell well i'm gonna say the best thing about tv and film for you jamie is et uh next up we're gonna be talking music i look forward to the night time Hi everyone, it's Bethia from Bethia's Beats. My chosen artist for this week is the very talented Holmes. He's influenced by the likes of Father Son and Sam Fender, and we've actually been writing a lot together recently, which is very exciting, so keep your eyes peeled for that on our social media. His latest single is called Never Learning, which is just such a well-crafted track. Here's a snippet of it playing in the background. To listen to the full song, it will be playing at the end of the podcast, along with all the details of Holmes' social media and where you can find the song. 
Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time. Why do our leaves keep falling? Why do our bridges break? Why do we keep on making, making, making the same mistake? Why does our world keep crumbling? Why does my fire keep burning? Why does my heart keep breaking? Jamie, music. What are you listening to? What's on your Spotify playlist right now? Because I've I've got the I've got my Spotify playlist at the end of last year, and it was like these are the most listened songs you've listened to, and then I've just listened to them again. Yes, <laughs> so I've got new new songs. That the the best of uh, playlist on Spotify is really dangerous. It's like sharing your Facebook memories every day because eventually all you end up doing is just sharing the same things every single day. And I had I went through exactly the same thing. Um, Whereas like my 2019 best of was exactly the same as my 2018 because, and, and I hated it. And I find it quite difficult to discover new music as there's so much. And I think, well, there's so much, but also even though Spotify and Apple music and, and, and all Deezer and all the rest of them are built around this voyage of discovery and they're, they're built to on a recommendation engine rather than people kind of like, actively seeking out a particular artist i think the lack of certainly for my age i don't i don't go looking for new music anymore i think that's that's one of the problems i think you get to a point in your life where you're kind of broadly happy with the friends you've got with the films that you 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 become the harry enfield character which is i know what i like and i like what i bloody well know (laughs) and to have anything new coming in your life is is a, is quite a major thing to have to contend with. So, in terms of what I listen to, and also now that podcasts are, are a thing, they're competing for your ears. It, it, traditionally, you'd go on a train, you go on a bus, you'd walk to work or whatever. You would listen to music. Now we're listening to podcasts a hell of a lot. So that narrows down the the actual time you've got to listen to music. But having said that. I think I spent quite a lot, a lot of time thinking I was still cool and still trying to seek out angry kind of punk music that said something about the world and blah, 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 which is, I do, and I do enjoy that music because that's the music that I used to play in my band and that's the music that I, that I listened to for a large... The beekeepers the beekeepers, at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. that I listened to for a, for a large period of, of, of my life. But then it was a big kind of moment where I just thought, you know, I just want to listen to Bon Iver. That's, I'm quite happy. Just Amazing. It's, it's calming and it, it feels new and it feels like a different way of writing songs and a different way of producing songs. And then once I kind of got into that kind of thing, then you discover there was, there was an amazing band called the Japanese. Hang on a second. What the hell were they called? I'm on it now. Recently played. Where are we? I like it right in the time of now you're looking at your uh, yeah. your, your playlists and stuff. The, the Japanese House was this kind of uh, group that I discovered who are, are on the same, I think, and the same, they're stable mates with the 1975, who I think are also, you know, a brilliant band, brilliant songwriters, testament to kind of old school, getting in a band at school and, and finding your sound and and find and and getting used to being in a band with each other because i think one of the problems is as as you will have seen firsthand is when bands are thrown together under any form of uh 
um i guess yes chemist, it, it is you know, it is hard when it's you're a recipe for disaster thrown because, into a band unless well, you're jedward you know because unless you're jedward yeah, band. or, or <laughs> well, i mean any kind of band it's, unless you unless you organically come together and and have the ability to to make mistakes be, out of the public eye you're inevitably gonna 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 stumble so the apart from little mix apparently the well, little yeah, mix seems to be the only yeah, band yeah, the exception, that have just they? smashed it you yeah. know from not knowing each other to actually all getting on you don't hear anything really bad about them they were an fine. anomaly i mean i, I interviewed yeah, them yeah. the day and after they won. The, i interviewed them the morning after they won the x factor and they they were just good mates and they they were it was just it was just a real kind of perfect storm where all of their personalities actually we're like a jigsaw puzzle rather than a circle trying to fit a square. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and, and yeah. that's important. And they've obviously, and I think all of them have gone through some shit in their lives that, yeah, they have. that, that they've all lent on each other and, and it's worked really well. And I think also it's different for women. They, yeah, they are a lot more accommodating to each other's faux boils and, and, and idiosyncrasies. Whereas blokes are a bit like, get the fuck over yourself. I'm Zayn Malik. I'm off. <laughs> You know, and he did. He left, didn't and he? he did. And I would imagine, whatever he says, he's going to be regretting that. Probably, who knows? So, we um, will ask him. Yeah. So I mean, so in terms of what music I listen to, I think the Laura Marling album this year has just been splendid, unbelievable. And you know, without getting all songwritery and 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 anal about it, there's something to be said about listening to an album that sounds like an album, and and it's something that. Unless you, without wanting to kind of come across like a bit of a preacher or a bit of a know-all, unless you've sat down and spoken to producers who've produced amazing albums and they tell you a bit of the secret sauce, you know, Coldplay get a lot of grief for being boring. You know, you too get a lot of the grief for being Yornston. But actually, all of the big albums that have sold phenomenally you know, you, whether it's Coldplay, whether it's Michael Jackson, whether it's, you know, anything, name me one album that has sold like millions and millions. 1989, Taylor Swift, you know, the reason they work is because they work as an album and they sound like they were recorded in a similar period of time by the same person. And Laura Marling's album does exactly that. You can tell that it was written as a complete body of work. And the 1975 did that with the uh, I can't the, the one with the really long title, the one with the. Um... We'll we'll fact check in that, and it'll be in there. So yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> the 1975 second album was called "I Like It When You Sleep." For you are so beautiful, yet so unaware of it. All of those albums sound like they were written over a relatively short period of time and produced by the same people and given a, a body of sound. The Joshua Tree, Thriller. Uh, rush of blood to the head ed sheeran's x you might not like the songs you might not like the music but there is a real strong th reason why they have been extraordinarily successful as albums and 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 i and i like that and laura marlin's album is the latest example of of that and it, it encapsulates perfectly what i mean by that and it's it helps that she's got a beautiful voice an incredible turn of phrase in her lyrics and it's the production and the harmonies on it are just breathtaking. Yeah, and actually, she's crossed over because she did Adam Buxton's podcast and then played on it as well. Part yeah, yeah, of the album. that's right. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. incredible. Yeah. I was just sat there and just like, 
I was like, these are two of my genres that I love yeah. that we've got spoken word and music. Michael Kiwanuka is another example. His Ugh. album this year was incredible and he did exactly the same on Adam. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And that album is just mind blowing. But again, has a very tight remit. He knew what album he wanted to make. He wanted it to sound authentically 77, you know, and it yeah. did, you know, and it just sounds glorious. I love how expressive you are. Um, I, I may know the answer to this, but when it comes to music for you, Jamie, what would you say is the best thing for you? Is it Laura Marlin's album? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. I mean, music is just... I can't, I, oh, my goodness. It's it could impossible. be anything. It could be a feel. It could be a genre. It could be, uh, you know, like I said, it could be an artist. But, just, yeah, I, it is. It's so hard. I mean, that? look, it's okay, all right. Here's, here's the thing. The best thing about music, and it doesn't matter what situ what stage you are in your life, what your relationship status is, how old you are, what what the music what the song is but the best feeling the best thing about music is that feeling where you put on a song on the headphones and it makes you feel like you're in love oh wow what an answer oh god i actually got goosebumps yeah but you know what i mean but exactly and that's the, that's the feeling you know what i mean yeah I do. it either I reminds do exactly you you're in love or makes you yeah. feel like you're in love yeah wow what an amazing answer well I, i'm gonna stop there because uh we get on to the next topic so i'm gonna say the best thing about music is putting on earphones and finding that song that music that makes you feel like you're in love uh next up we're gonna be talking something random So, Jamie, uh, this is a category, something random. Uh, what is the best thing that's something random for you? Uh, I'm going to go for running. Oh, nice. I mean, a thing that everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of people have been doing. When we were only allowed to exercise for one hour a day, yeah. you just saw people in the street you have never seen before put on their kicks and get out running. And where are they now? <laughs> inside now EastEnders and Coronation Street is back, and so is Hollyoaks. They're watching that. They're in there now staring at a very dusty peloton as well yeah <laughs> no it's got clothes on it's got the pants hanging exactly. off, drying exactly. that's what you do um so running uh i've spoken and i have spoken about this on on a, on a, on a few podcasts before but it's but i'm quite you've done other podcasts jamie what? yeah apologies <laughs> actually it was a running podcast so it doesn't really count oh, it's fine that's um fine. It's good. so running kind of saved my life in a, in, in a in a weird roundabout way so I'm sober and I'm, I'm coming up to three years uh, sober, which is which is really important to me. And one of the things that's helped me remain sober is running. And it was something and anyone that's ever had any form of addiction or is in recovery or has any form of uh, problem in terms of drinking or, or anything really will understand when I say that we that people who suffer from that illness or affliction need something to do and i don't mean like it's distraction isn't it i feel when it comes to those well, sort of things it's distraction but it's always it's 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 something more than that it's something that you need to almost unhealthily focus on you need to have a thing you know and for for a lot of people, sadly, that thing is either is, is something that's damaging to you. So being able to 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 have swapped out those things for something like running has been a bit of a godsend to me. So I'm going to say running is the thing that kind of keeps 
keeps me in check. You know, mental health wasn't a thing that existed when we last spoke. You know, it was just, you know, that was just something that, that, that was in that was that was in the ether. And now it's obviously a very prevalent part of society, and quite rightly so. I'm not evangelical about kind of, you know, capitalizing on mental health. I think that's that's slightly suspicious. But I would say that 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 running for me really checks my head out and stops me from panicking. It stops me from worrying. It 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 energizes you. It it keeps you clearly keeps you healthy. Um and just allows me as someone who's a father of four with you know upwards of four or five jobs at any one time and and, and a crazy life that goes with it it allows me a very rare hour a day to not have to speak to anyone other than myself which i know sounds really kind of slightly spiritual but it really is and and so i just love running you know it's it's just one of the most glorious discoveries that I've had and my only regret is that I, that I didn't discover it when I could have probably ran a bit further and faster <laughs> you know it's not... you might not have appreciated it then no you know no but I mean? you might have not have got but, there but yes you could Daniel, have run that's far because further. that's because youth is wasted on the youth it is yeah very much this plus but you don't find that out until you're younger that's the horrible part of the game isn't it yeah. with that um I think it's very nice well beautifully honest how you put it and and you found your solace and completely something else that is you know built in sort of health and 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 being outside and that freedom um and yeah okay it's part of a distraction but it's so beautiful that you get to find that and so many people don't and it's so important for people to try and find the thing that leads them away from the thing that doesn't make them the best version of themselves yeah exactly yeah i'm a i'm a, I'm a better person for having ran you know Everyone hates running, you know. Don't get me wrong. No one enjoys. It doesn't get easier. It never it gets get... easier. There's not. There's never. Not, there's not a second that you're walking out the door thinking this is going to be great. The first mile is always horrible, <laughs> but there is not a single person on earth that does not enjoy having had run. I always call it the Smugosaurus Rex. Yeah. Um, when you get home, you're like, oh. yeah, just run there. Just run ten k. Just yeah, going to tell exactly. everyone I've run 10k. Amazing. Exactly. How long did it take you? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't. That's the thing. It, 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 doesn't. it really doesn't matter. Just doing it. Doing and, it. And important. that was the best thing I, I, I learned about running was that, you know, when I first started running, it was all about how fast can I do 5k? How, how, how high up at the charts can I get at the park run? Yeah, and, me too. <laughs> and it was awful. And then I started training for the London Marathon, which subsequently obviously got cancelled. Yeah. And I started, I followed a training plan that just said, slow the fuck down yeah and immediately it didn't hurt and it took longer but it didn't matter because i was enjoying it you know yeah. there and, is no and who's the race against who's exactly. the race against there is no nothing better than a sunday morning run with a podcast on where you've got nowhere to go and nowhere to be and just take your time and run slow if and that's the best if it hurts stop and walk for a bit until it stops yeah. hurting it's the best advice i ever got and it was the most obvious thing it's so it's so true and I'm, I, I actually do park run and you know when it comes back it'd be lovely but i don't do it for time i i take my nephew i take friends that are you know who are slower who are quicker and stuff like that we all kind of run together i even do it on christmas day and new year's day and i had a wedding this year and that, that was quite hard to get up for um, i'm gonna say the best thing when it comes to something random is running 
Now, Jamie, um, this is uh, series two, and we've added one extra question. So it doesn't have to be very long, and you have a little time to think about it. But okay. it's not the easiest question, so you uh, see how you do with this. Um, Jamie, what is the best thing about you? Oh, my God. So, Jamie, sorry, I threw that um, horrible question at you um, that no one likes answering, especially in the wonderful world of Great Britain. Um, so what is the best thing about you, Jamie? Um, I'm really helpful and I'm really useful to know, which is like, which isn't meant to sound quite as networky as it sounds, but, but and, and I'm not I'm not particularly clever or bright. But to quote Tyrion Lannister, I don't drink and I know things. Um, I know a lot of people. There's, and, I, and that's really helpful. And I find it really useful. There aren't many things that I can't find out or help somebody with by just scrolling through my phone and just, just plugging someone into someone else. And that's, I think, a really useful thing. Other than that, I like to think I'm quite good fun to be around. I like to think that any dinner table would be better off with me on it. And I'm going to put you on my dinner table list now. You yeah. know, when you've got a thing of five and yeah. you sort of like got Gandhi and um, Whitney Houston and now you, you know. Yeah. And in, in honor of the fact that I would imagine most people are extremely self-deprecating, um, I'm going to say I'm really good at having sex. <laughs> yes <laughs> well you've got four kids so you know you know it all works and stuff oh, all four of those times were brilliant i bet they can't wait to listen to things like this so we'll be using that as a... my wife is gonna kill me she's gonna go uh i'll be the fucking judge of that son which well, she's actually on the podcast next week um <laughs> Uh, Jamie, you've been an absolute star. Thank you so much uh, for doing this. You are as kind and as 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 lovely as you were from the first day you took the piss out of me and talked about my relationship history. Thanks for that. Um, no, so I, think, I what... think the first thing I spoke about was how you used to toss the mic between back and forth between your hand yeah, all the time. Yeah, that was, that was your thing, was. right? Yeah, I mean, I did it once and then apparently I just do it all the time. I've actually only dropped it twice live on stage, but that's in a little Actually, in my first interview with you, did I make you do that all throughout yeah, the interview? Yeah, you did. I did do that. The I? whole yes. time, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, you're, you're, you're very good. You're very good. That's why you do the things you do now. Um, What are you doing now? You've got your radio show um, that you're doing for Talk yeah, Radio. Yeah, I that do a Talk Radio on. show every Sunday. Um, I do a couple of podcasts, so I, I, I present and... and produced the smart seven podcast which goes out every morning at 7 a.m i've downloaded i've clicked there's also we also do the sport seven but i don't present that but that's part of what i do as well uh what else do i do um and i produce a lot of stuff for netflix at the moment and other people as well and you know i'm just a gun for hire really hire me Uh, we'll put all the details below of where you can find and find and follow Jamie. Jamie, you're an absolute star. Thank you so much. Good luck with everything you're doing in the future. And we'll have to go out and have a drink sometime because that'd be nice to catch up. Definitely. I'll bring a microphone to do stuff or maybe a big check. Yeah, Who knows? absolutely. Oh, that'd be amazing. And thank you for <laughs> uh, wearing the lottery <laughs> hoodie for me. <laughs> Say hi to your wife. She's going to kill you. She is. <laughs> 
Thank you so much to our lovely guest, Jamie East. What a pleasure as always. Thank you also to Adam Harris and his fat chicken. His answer will be right after this. Bethia Beats track of the pod is going to be played just after that. Thank you to Film Bag, making sure we don't miss out on those films that we missed out on, obviously. Thank you to our wonderful producer, Professor Ollie, making sure we're all lovingly put together and sounding great. And the music in the background is by Jimmy Lundy, Tom Baxter, and myself. The artwork is by JMD. Next up, Adam Harris's answer, followed by Bethy Beat, Track of the Pod. See you next time. Hey, hey, Adam, fact checking, fact checking. I think we can all agree that bullfighting is probably the most disgusting thing on the planet and the most unnecessary thing after this podcast. But I was finding out for you whether bulls are made angry by the colour red. And it turns out they're not. It's actually the movement of the cape. Bulls and all other cattle are colour blind to the colour red. It's the movement of the cape that makes them chase the cape. I'll see you again in the next episode. I look forward to the night time Cause it reminds me of you The stars that seem to shine like Your eyes used to And the moon lights my bedroom wall And occupies my mind Photo used to hang there Back when my sun used to shine And I won't do this often No, I won't show emotion Why do I leaves keep falling? Why do our branches break? Why do we keep on making, making, making Why do I leave?
Why do our branches break? Why do we keep on making, making, making the same mistake? Why does our 